0: Well, good afternoon, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to uh, Get Real with Rick Dancer. Um, we're going to try something a little new today. Um, I uh, I found a new, there's a new program you can do on um, <clears throat> with, with the StreamYard program and so I'm going to try to play a video in this with you um, as we do this. Um, we do have a show coming up tonight at five o'clock but we're going to be live on the scene uh, down in Goshen. Um, Young man called me the other day, said, my dad is doing this really cool project. He's building uh, huts for the homeless uh, and just because he wants to. And I thought that's a great story. Uh, So we're going to go down there and do it. But what I wanted to talk to you today is I I was reading online and um, a woman came on. Let me get her name because I think she came up with this. Tina Marie Stanley. Um, She wrote something on my page that just really made me think and it's kind of the inspiration for what we're going to do today. Um, How you doing, everybody? So um, it's a new kind of a new format here. So she wrote map out your life, but do it in pencil. And I thought, oh, my God, that is amazing. So I wanted to tell you a story. Um, I haven't told this too much um, in my life. Because it wasn't one of the best times in my life. I was anchoring the news at KEZI-TV and uh, I'd been doing it for about a year. They had a consultant that they called and this consultant came in and uh, did a review. It was not a real consultant. It was just somebody who was uh, charging them as a consultant. So it wasn't a big consulting firm. They came in and they said, Rick Dancer is the weak link in your anchor chain and you need to get rid of them. And I was anchoring with Lisa Virch at the time. And um, so, a half hour before the news comes, is going to go on, uh, my news director takes me out in the back lot of the station and tells me that I am going to be taken off the air. And I was crushed because I had, that was my life, that's what I was doing and to be told that you are the reason for their problems was um, pretty overwhelming. So I, I remember I started to cry, and um, they still expected me to anchor the news, and I said, I think I'm going to go home because I don't think this is going to happen. So for a year to the day, I anchored that newscast every single night for them. Um, knowing that they were looking for somebody new, that they were trying to get rid of me. And I remember it was like the hardest year of my life next to cancer and running for state office um, because you you were humiliated. Everybody knew, everybody in town in the business knew. So um, you were kind of a bottom feeder at that point. And I remember one time they brought in a, a guy to anchor with Lisa. And it was still, you know, my position. And um, they told me ahead of time, we're bringing this guy in and he's going to come in and anchor with Lisa tonight. And the whole newsroom was like, oh my God, this is so freaking rude, you know? and And our newsroom was all open. It was like a big open room we all sat in there together. No, there were cubicles, but they were just like this high. So you're all in a room together. And I remember this guy walks in and he's nervous because he knows the situation and he walks into the news director's office and I'm sitting there and the whole room is looking at me. And then by this time like all the engineers and people like that had come in <clears throat> to the newsroom because they knew something was going on. And I'm sitting there um you know pretty humbled at this point. And the guy's walking around and they're introducing him to everybody. They introduce him to Lisa, said, you're gonna be anchoring with Lisa tonight. And, um, and then he looks, he comes by to me. And I remember standing up out of my chair and reaching out <clears throat> and shaking his hand and saying, welcome to uh, Eugene, I hope you do well. And I sat down And the news director took him out of the room uh, to go tour, you know, with management and stuff like that. Um, And I remember one of the engineers in the back of the room slowly started clapping like this. And then by the time the whole room was clapping, and I just had tears in my eyes. And one of the engineers came up and said, that's the toughest thing I've ever seen anybody do. And time went on. And um, like I said, a year to the day, they came back to me and they had never, they have not found a replacement. And they never came to me like regularly and said, hey, Rick, you know, you're doing better or any of this stuff is good. But here's what I understood. some A friend of mine told me, he said, you know what, Rick, the way you preserve your job is don't go after, don't kiss ass to the management, don't go after the ownership, don't go after each other, people in the newsroom, play that just cool. He says, but you go out in that community and you make them fall in love with you so that KEZI can't get rid of you. And that's what I did. I did every school assembly that asked me. I did every graduation. I did every club that wanted me to come speak, everything. I was there and it was my time. It wasn't on KZI time. It was on my time. I was doing after work stuff. I I mean, there was not an event that I did not MC back in the day. And the year to the date they hired a new consulting firm that we didn't even know they had done. This was a real consulting firm. They went out and really talked to people and a consulting firm never does this. They came back to me and um, they pulled me in a room and they said, um, Rick, we did we, what is called your Q rating, which is your popularity rating. <clears throat> we did your Q rating and it comes in higher than anybody we've ever done in any place in the country. You have the highest Q rating we've seen. And we have gone to your management and told them they're gonna give you a $7,000 raise and they all have to apologize to you. (laughs) So a year to the day, I walk into a room filled with the news director, the manager, the producer, the sales director, all those people. And each one of them had to tell me they were sorry for making me go through that for a year and that they were wrong. From then on, my raises came bigger and better. Um, they when when I finally ended up leaving KEZI to run for Secretary of State in 2008, I went to him once, and it was not the chambers. They were very good to me. I went to our news director. Um, I won't say his name, but um, not news director. He would Well, what was he? Oh, he's a station manager, and he'd sit down and well, Rick, what do you, what do you, what do you got? And I said, I want to leave and um, I'm going to run for secretary of state and I'm going to collect my $160,000 this year. And I will give you your $160,000 plus a $10,000 raise next year. So you'll be paying me for a year while I run for office because otherwise I can't afford to do it. And he said, we're not going to do that. So, I just stood up and I said, okay, then I'm going to go back in the newsroom and I will collect $360,000 for the next two years and I will do absolutely nothing but anchor your newscast. And I just walked out the door. The next day he calls me up to the office and says, hey, wait, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. What if we give you half? (laughs) I stood up and walked out the door. Hey, where's you going? I didn't even look back, just kept walking. The next day, the owner, Scott Chambers, who was a great guy, came down and said, Rick, what do you want? And I said, I just want my salary for a year plus the $5,000 raise I get, and I will give you the next year's salary. He says, why why should we do this? I said, Scott, because your numbers are going down. People aren't watching the news. I see the writing on the wall. In two years, you cannot pay me what you're paying me right now, and you're going to have to fire me. And if you fire me, I've made this community really care about me and they're going to hate you. So I'm giving you the easy way out. (laughs) So, um, they did it, but see, my, my, my plan was written in ink, which is why this woman is saying map out your life, but do it in pencil. Then I ran for public office and, um, you know, that was a whole new world. And if, if God had come to me, in, in, you know, early on, and said, "Rick, okay, here's the plan. I'm gonna let you quit KZI," and I'm like, "Yes," and you can run for public office. Oh yeah, I've always wanted to do that. That'll be great. And I win. Uh, no. So oh, okay. So something better's coming up, right? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get cancer. I would have gone, uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No, uh, uh, uh. that is not the plan. So let me take four minutes and show you something about my life. When the phone rings and your doctor informs you, you have cancer, life forever changes. I work in the television video production industry. I do online videos and decided after a lot of thinking to make my cancer very public. So here's the thing. I have cancer, prostate cancer. And I'm just shocked, just kind of stunned and numb and scared and afraid. My diagnosis came in January of 2010. I didn't want to die, but I also, you know, to be honest, I didn't want to lose my ability to have an erection. I mean, that's a big concern for a guy. I'm not afraid this is going to kill me. Prostate cancer is really treatable. I'm afraid of the process. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to live with cancer. In my late 40s, my PSA jumped. At first, the PSA was two, then four, and that's when the biopsies began. It took five years and five biopsies to find cancer. My PSA was hovering at 20 when the cancer was discovered. That was the horrible process. We, we, we felt so alone while we were looking for a treatment. And I remember we'd go to doctor appointment after doctor appointment, and every time we'd come out, we'd just feel, we'd just sit there and cry all the way home. The internet was even worse. The most talked about treatments always came with a host of possible side effects. Your temptation is to move quickly. You hear cancer and just want to get it out of your body. I resisted the temptation and took several months finding the treatment that was right for me, and I'm so glad I did. I wish in those early days we'd had a team of specialists like those at the Willamette Valley Cancer Institute to talk with us about all the options, not just the usual treatments. So you can't rely on friends and relatives or other men in your life who've had prostate cancer and do what they did. You really have to go through this process yourself and figure out what's the best treatment for you or whether you really want to get treated at all at this point. Cancer did change my life, but not in the ways I thought it would. We chose a treatment that worked for us. Yes, this is not just your decision. Your wife needs to be part of that process. I think attitude is a huge part of cancer treatment, survival, and moving on. I didn't have to fight cancer. I had to fight Rick Dancer, me. Surviving cancer did have lasting effects on our lives. We discovered how much stronger we are and how short time really is when you think about it. We now do triathlons, our first half marathon. We cycle Oregon and try things we never dreamed of trying before. I'm not trying to glamorize cancer. There is nothing beautiful about it. But cancer let me stare death in the face and then walk away there is something powerful in the gift of survival. Guys, the best advice I can give after going through this process is don't rush into anything. First of all, determine whether you need to be treated with your different doctors that you're going to go visit. If you do decide on treatment, look at the side effects and make sure you're comfortable with what's going to happen or what could happen. And then remember, you will get through this. Life is good now. My PSA is down to zero for the first time in a decade. My side effects from the treatment are minimal. I look back at this video and remember that day, like it was yesterday. That's kind of where we're at. So, keep praying. And, I thank you. Um, It'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. I was right. It is getting much better. to watch because <clears throat> life is so different now and i think that's why people don't um understand why i'm not afraid of covid um when your doctor tells you that you have cancer that's the worst thing that you can hear and so when somebody tells me that this COVID thing might kill me I've already faced that. I already did that. So I'm not scared. So don't judge us because we don't feel the same way you do, you know? Um, We all get to go through our fear factor at a certain time in our lives. And I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying I've already done that shit. And when, when you... Like Rob says, when you get that second chance, um, it is. Um, somebody, at the, somebody at the gym this morning said something to me that was really powerful. He's a good friend of mine, David. And he said, Rick, I think you're one of the most courageous people I've ever seen. Because you're just going at this thing and with no holes barred." And I said, you know, David, it's because I've been here. Um, I know what it's like to feel voiceless. I know what it's like to feel like everybody's pushing and shoving you. Um, But I also know what it's like to face something life-threatening. And so when you've already done that, it doesn't have the effect on you that it does for other people. Oh, yeah, a solid beard. I'd never go back and relive my life. I wouldn't change anything. Because everything in my life that was hard is why I am courageous. Every kid that picked on me in school and bullied me has given me the strength to stand up to the assholes who come on here try to discredit me, try to scare my clients away, try to ruin my business and my life. Um, you don't have any power unless you give it. You What you give away is what they get. Um, yeah. So... When I read that this morning, map out your life, but do it in pencil, I thought, yeah, that's exactly what you do. And keep a big eraser handy because you end up in places you never thought you'd do. See, I kind of think there's something about God who um, it's like he understands. Um, exactly who we are and what we do, and if you don't believe in them, that's fine. I'm not trying to be, you know, preach religion on you. But this is how I see the world, and I, that's all I can do. I can only give you what I see. But I feel like, um, you know, when I was ha- when I was in going through the cancer thing, I remember saying, you know, God, I just don't want to do this. You know, I just don't. And I remember, okay, I'll tell you one more thing, okay. And I have this on a video somewhere. Um um i remember oh god this is a so i went i'll tell you two quick things so i went to um i had to have a cat scan and i went in and i had the cat scan and then they called me and said we can't see the difference between your bladder and your prostate because you don't have enough fat on your body <laughs> so, what the- what the hell? So I'm healthy and I have to spend, you know, all this money. And now I got to go have an MRI. So I had to have an MRI so they could distinguish what my prostate was versus my bladder. And so I remember um, I was really kind of scared because I'm a little claustrophobic and I I didn't want to go do this. And so I remember I had a dream um, and and that it was this. This dream is, was I was running into the sacred Heart peace, health to the MRI place. And I remember running in and running into the, down the hall and I get to the end of the hall and there's God and he's standing there. And I go, what, what are you doing here? And God says, oh, I'm here. Cause I'm going to go through this with you. I said, you can't, you can't go through this with me. That's It's an MRI. I have to go in this little tube. There's no room. I got to go in there and, and, and get this done. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to go in with you. I'm going to wrap around you and I'm going to go in there with you and they'll never see me. It's okay. So when I, when I, went, in, when I went in there, I was in there for like an hour. That's all I remember was that God was wrapped around me and we were in that tube and I was okay. And when the banging on your head is they're banging this stuff in there. And um, I knew that I was gonna be fine. Um, Yeah. So Each one of us has to live our lives the way we we see fit. And it's nobody's job to tell us how we get to live. So if someone is doing something and you don't agree with it, just shut the fuck up. Okay? It's not your place. It's none of your business. You go deal with you and I'm gonna deal with me And if I see the world in a different way because of what I've been through, then give me some grace to do that. And if you see it in a certain way, I will certainly give you the grace to do it, but don't put your thing on me because I've already done this and I'm not doing it again. Map out your life, but don't do it in ink, do it in pencil i'm rick dancer thanks for joining me we will be back tonight at five o'clock live from this coolest story in goshen oregon of a son who's so proud of his dad that he called me to have me go down and watch him building homes for the homeless and he's not involved in a program he's not part of anything he's doing it because he can and he wants to and um we're gonna go down and introduce you to him. So that's coming up tonight at five. And then I'll tell you a little bit about the rest of the week. Tomorrow we're trying to get Jay Bosevich on, County Commissioner, to talk about the screw-ups with uh, vaccines and why they're giving it to teachers over older folks. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that with any lab tests now. We're also going to talk about their COVID travel testing and also STDs and a lot of the tests that they do there. Um, then we're going to do on on um, Wednesday, we're going to be with uh, New Leaf Hyperbaric Chamber, Matt, my buddy over there. And he's going to be talking about answering your questions about that kind of treatment. Oh, t- Tuesday night, tomorrow night, we're going to go do something that's a little edgy. Um, It's an esthetician in town. She's a tattoo artist. And Michelle and Ian, what they do is they go in and, well, here's what we're going to do. When a woman has breast cancer and has her breast removed, then they put a, you know, a a fake one in. (laughs) But it doesn't have a nipple. Well, a nipple is a part of a breast. So we're going to be in there while they tattoo a nipple on this woman. And she tells us her story of breast cancer. How's that for Edgy? And then on Thursday, um, we're going to have a, a counselor come in and uh, talk with us a little bit about what we can do uh, for the you know, the trauma from, from all this for our kids and that kind of thing. Jill Smith is going to join us. And that is brought to us by um, Oregon Concealed uh, Gun Training. And then on Friday, we got a double header with Blue Valley Bistro um, at noon in Coburg. They always do something really fun for Valentine's Day. I already know to give that show to him right away. And then at four o'clock, we're gonna be at the Emporium in Benita, where makers and crafters and artists get together every weekend and sell their wares. And those shows always do really well because people really, really, really like them. So that's coming up all this week. And my my month is full. We are getting so many clients because They really do like the real thing. Um, I just signed up two new people today. Um, I'm going to have to have longer months if we're going to get this to work. But I do miss doing this with you guys. And I'm going to try to do more of this, especially now that I have this new video program. So anyway, you can also catch this if you know somebody who wants to maybe want to hear this. um, I I will put it on our podcast. So that'll be on there as well. And then, again, I'll be back at at 5 o'clock. Thanks for. Thanks for letting me be a part of your life. It is appreciated. You will never know.